Checking for me, Pod. Starting right now. <laughs> Look at those gleeful listeners. I can't see them, but I know they're out there. I'm Rachel Jarofsky. I'm Cody Wilkins, and I'm also super stoked to have you guys on the other end of the line. Welcome to Ain't Nobody Checking for Me, Rachel. It's been an interesting run of January for you, a dry one. And uh, here as we come to the end of it, I'm I'm curious how you feeling. I'm feeling like. Fucking right as rain. Mm. I mean, I, I already told you, bow-wise, regular-degular, uh, just after each meal, I'm not feeling, like, exceedingly full. Like, I feel like usually every time I eat a meal, I'm just, like, you know, a hop, skip, and a jump away from vomiting. Mm. Uh, and that's not been a thing. So I'm just, like, you know, I'm really trying to think how w- what sort of behaviors can carry over into the rest of the year. Um, you've been you've been moving and shaking. You've landed. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. I think right now, staring down the barrel of February. Mm-hmm. Uh, February. February. Which is also known as... Black History Month, even yes. though you know Black History is every day. Thank you. Um, my ancestors are checking for me. I feel a lot of pressure, wow. uh, right now because you know there's this rallying cry that I see on the internet often. Uh, young Black millennials often talking about I am my ancestors' wildest dreams. You know mm-hmm. these are yes. these are doctors, lawyers, entrepreneurs, athletes. I am. My ancestors' wildest dreams. Right. And I always want to take my hat off to him, but then it's like, I can't afford a hat because I <laughs> don't work. Am I my ancestors' greatest disappointment? Right. But then I realized, no. In fact, I am my ancestors' wildest dream. Not them. I am my ancestors' wildest dream because I don't have a job. Right. And right. if there's if there's one thing a slave wants, it's a day off and some air conditioning. I got both wow. of those. <laughs> wow. I mean, in a way, you have a point. You yeah. have a point not to be argued with. Thank you. I have a point. I don't have a dollar, but that's okay. Money's not real. Shout out GameStop. You know what I mean? Like, oh, have you been checking on any yes. of this stock market shit? Do you understand what's going on? I don't. I don't understand it. You explained it to me, and I kind of got it, but also you kind of got it. So yeah. two kind of gets it, and nobody's got it. You know what I mean? Like, let's just assume that's what it is. Yeah. So yeah, I, I do realize that I could probably be be gaining off GameStop, but I don't. I don't know what app I need. I what do I what am I trading here? You know? I, yeah. No, I'm not gonna. This is definitely a one plus one equals still confused situation. Right, right. But right. from what I can understand, uh, the little guys are winning or like started mm-hmm. winning a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- there's been a pullback of the curtain, and like I, I, you know, I am now checking for how the stock market works a little bit. Yeah, stock. Sure. Like what is going on? Right. I don't. Mm. It'd be good to know. You know what Great. I'm actually checking for, and this is I'm almost a little nervous to say it. I'm checking for it. You could say it's checking for me. The vaccine. 
A word. I'm getting vaxxed tomorrow. Really? I am getting vaxxed tomorrow like a goddamn patriot. <laughs> you know? <laughs> stick it in the arm. Stick it in the arm. Stick it in the fucking neck. Real, real ones get that vaccine to the neck. Feel hell, me? Hell yeah. <laughs> hell yeah. But yeah, I qualify as a Hebrew school teacher, which is actually a huge joke considering um, <laughs> that the same workplace where I am currently in a labor dispute is also giving me acts to the vax. Um, but here I am. I'm not going to, what, what, the, what, I'm not going to get it. They were like, look, uh, we just want you to come in. We'll do anything, including bump you to that front of that line for that vaccine. Maybe come on now. Right. Get <laughs> and I feel like a lot of people are like, don't, you, you should wait. You should wait for the people who really need it. And I'm like, okay, the government is supposed to be telling me when to go. Look, Cuomo is telling me to get it, and ultimately he and Uncle Sam are my daddies, so I have to do it. Um, <laughs> they're my little daddies. So, you know, I'm about to pull up on that bitch, say the pledge for two minutes straight, and then take it. Take it straight. There you go. I mean, are you getting the, the one-shot Johnson & Johnson joint, or are you getting the see you in a couple weeks uh, Pfizer joint? Do you, you know, even know? Honestly, it doesn't They even sure matter. as hell did not tell me, so I right. guess it is a TBD. I, and I'm also hoping that I'll be able, you know, I, you only schedule the one appointment. I'm assuming I schedule the second one there. There's this right. whole phenomenon in L.A. called, like, vax chasers where, like, millennials are, like, waiting in lines for, like, hours um, to just, like, get the leftover doses. Wow. We really really fumbled like really fumped the blunt on this whole covid thing ah hmm. such a jag such a jag but i don't know as a black person uh i was naturally skeptical of accepting any, any sort of medicine from the government because right. you know I, I i suppose i'm supposed to be but i saw on the internet uh oh gosh you know what i'm checking for actually sidebar checking for like a Motorola Razor. I need to get off of my yes. fucking smartphone. Yes. Oh, man. The other day, I got to the bottom of Twitter, and they were like, are you still alive? Like, what is, <laughs> what am I doing? But I, so I was on the internet, and I saw someone be like, yo, if they were going to fuck you up with the vaccine, they could have done it with all of the ones you took to go to public school. That's you so know? true. And also, I feel like they just want to take more of my money, and they can't do that if I'm in the house. So they're going to give me the the sugar water mixture to get out there and go start spending my money again. Hey, we need you to go to that overpriced concert where mm-hmm. you film it on your phone from the back and and like buy a, an overpriced t-shirt and an overpriced beer. We would like that money, please. So they're fucking vaccinating the economy is what I say. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> Dude, shoot it up. That's what I say. But you know what? You know what else I say, Cody? What else I have to say for our listeners out there? Is that we got one hell of a guest. We got one. And you know what? Actually, also, I should say that, um, you know, for for months now, I've been, you and I both have been doing this big build up to the reveal of who the guest is. Mm-hmm. When, honestly, people see who the guest is when they click on the goddamn episode. They so certainly They certainly do. It's really for not. It's really for not. And I could just go ahead and slide that name right here and right no, no, now. No. It's for us. This moment is for us. <laughs> and also... Why fuck with tradition? It works. All three listeners keep coming back. Thank you, uh, mom, dad, and uh, Rachel's dad. Rachel's dad. Got it. You know. <laughs> well, then, in that spirit, you just are gonna have to wait for a little forty-five seconds. 
Take a little That is my imitation of one of Nate's beats. Let's hear it. Maybe we had too much fun in the 80s shit. Fast forward 20 years, now that baby's dead. I'm in the club, excuse me on some Jay-Z shit. I really can't believe that y'all play these hits. I got plug, got family surrounding the guy. The best you gon' get like cunning out. One son on the drums, I just call him Nate. Overthinking, blowing up, eating cocktail plate. I'm still hungry. I'm in the mood for some don't stop. She a freak in the sheet, so don't block. Got the mega dome, call it show top. Only problem is she living in the soap op. I wish Aaliyah came home at the boat rock. Sitting back, dreaming of a dope knot. Like we tad that. Yo, I know you enjoyed the beat because them motherfuckers be flame every time. Flame broiled. Listen up, listeners. I know you saw it on the description for the episode already. So I'm gonna just come in hot from the top with with the with the the guest that's the best. Julia Shiplet is a fellow NYC comedian, writer, and actress who also comes from the Chicagoland area, Evanston. Evanston, of course, being one of the only two Chicago suburbs that which we will occasionally allow someone to claim to be from mm-hmm, the city. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Lightweight shout out Oak Park. Julia's writing has been in The New Yorker, Mick Sweeney's, and The New York Times. You've seen her signature freckle face all over HBO on Crashing, High Maintenance, and Max's Love Life. We know her from the New York stand-up scene where she crushes so hard she's landed on Comedy Central's Up Next and TBS Comics to Watch List. So, Julia, thank you for being here. What's up? Oh, my God. Purple Line represents. Ah. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) That was such a nice intro. Thank you so much. I'll start here. Yo, big congrats on the Comedy Central and TBS list. Always nice to be checked for in that regard. But I'm wondering, are they a little late? Because I've been seeing you doing your thing in the New York, like up and coming next to watch. You've been here. You know what I'm saying? Like, so. That is very kind of you. I feel like that's, that's how those lists work, though. I mean, we, everyone, like people we have been watching grow and hustle and just like be all over. It, you always get it. You're always new and up and coming about five years after. Um, right. I mean, and I'm not including myself in that because I do feel like there are, I'm still, you know, not right now. I mean, I'm pretty static right now, <laughs> I'll be honest. But at Who the time, isn't static right now? <laughs> uh, I, you know, I was, I felt very grateful and uh, lucky. Yeah. I mean, well, how long, okay, so you, you from the Chicagoland area, uh, no disrespect, but I had to put all the syllables in there. You know what I'm saying? I said occasional shout out. Right. Emphasis on the land. <laughs> right. Um, but how long have you been running the New York scene? And like, what was your assimilation like into this gauntlet? Because I know it's different for everybody. And and only the strong survive. So, you know, how long how long you been around? What's, what, what's it been like getting into it? Yeah, so I started, I, I like identify much more as a New York comedian uh, rather than a Chicago comedian, just because like there's so many just absolutely incredible killers who come out of Chicago, like especially with stand up, but characters, alt stuff, like there's just so many great comedians that come out of Chicago. But um, I only did stand up there for like a little over a year. And by stand up, I mean like I think I did. I was doing mics and maybe got booked like three or four times. And then Mm -hmm. I was like, I wanted to move to New York anyway. I knew that I wanted to. So I was kind of like, you know, a lot of Chicago comedians, they stay there. They, they really sharpen their skills. Everyone knows them. And then once they're like the top, top, top of Chicago, they move to LA or New York. Right. Right. I was kind of just like, I wanted to, I wanted to move to New York anyway. So I'm just, 
You said I, I, a couple open no, mics, three bookings. I'm ready to go. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was just like, uh, I'm gonna just dip out now. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna play it by ear and figure out how it goes in New York. And um, I feel like I was like really inspired the second I got to New York with the comedy, just because like I think the Chicago. I feel like the Chicago scene has also changed as well because I feel like now there's like a lot of diversity and there's an awesome queer scene and there's just like people doing a lot of like like I think that this Chicago scene looks like a lot of different things now in a way that when I moved from Chicago to New York in 2014 I don't I didn't see all that exactly Mm -hmm. um and so I just loved like coming here and being like wow there is really uh not only is there like a comedy scene per borough it's like there's so many different comedy scenes and circles in each borough and um I you know I feel like just seeing like musical comedy and like crazy ass characters and like incredible stand-up uh just at very good all over the place every single night uh was just like awesome because I I think that in Chicago, I also wasn't used to like hustling from this place to this place to this place. Right. So I think that I was just like, I was overwhelmed, but really excited and just kind of wanted to like jump the fuck in. And also what I love about New York is like, I feel like I make new comedy friends all the time. And I'm very, I was going to say that. Yeah. And I'm like, there are some people who are very like no new friends and that's just like not my vibe. Um, so I like am truly excited when I see a new comedian who I don't really know who I'm like, wow, they're awesome. They're so funny. And I want to be their friend. Like I still feel that way. So. Yeah. Same. And then like, obviously the pandemic hits and you're like, okay. And I haven't made a new friend in a year. Oh, That's <laughs> so I haven't different. met a person in eight months. Except Nate. Yeah. Nate. Oh yes. There you go. <laughs> so I actually have a question about like something that Cody had said before talking about these idea, the idea of like these lists, like these comic you know what I mean? And I'm saying you can hear in my voice, it's like how I feel. Um, but I do feel like they come out and they come out like on Twitter. And I feel like for like a Twitter user who's just like, you know, you're like fucking Joe Shlomo, just like user who's not trying to get on. They're just like kind of looking at Twitter to consume things. For them, it's like, oh shit, like all these like funny people that I maybe didn't know about that like now I know about and I can follow and like, you know, laugh. But I feel like for a comedian, it's just like, a form of cruel and unusual punishment. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, am I wrong? Like, yeah. Like being on it or not being on it, you know? Totally. Yeah. No. And it's also, like you said, it's super insular and irrelevant to 98% of like even active Twitter people. Like they don't give it, you know? (laughs) Uh, So yeah, I totally feel that fully. And I also think that, it's usually uh, really limited. Like it's like, yeah, there's a lot of great people on that list. Lots of very funny, talented people, but there's so many other talented people that are not on that. Right, exactly. Which I feel like can also be like the idea of like the in crowd list is also also kind of be like, I feel like the vibe of Twitter sometimes, which is where I get sometime and I'm apparently this is my therapy now um which is I feel like where I get caught (laughs) she's like let it out let it out um no but that's where I get caught up is like the there's a savviness to it and me and Cody think you are quite good at it 
Like you are, you have, a, you got the, you know what I mean? You the, out there the punching them out. You got the juice. Thank you. I don't Thank feel you. that way, guys. I really, truly don't. That is, not, I mean, honestly, I have, I'm like low-key old. And so I feel like I have been, um, I went to University of Wisconsin-Madison and I Great studied school. journalism. I thought I wanted to be like, I, I never wanted to be like a hardcore reporter. I was like, I want to write profiles in Vanity Fair. That was like 19-year-old yes. <laughs> Julia goal. Um, and I was like a student paper nerd and all that. And I remember senior year of my journalism, senior year of college in one of my journalism classes, the first thing we did, like on the first day of class, they're like, everyone is going to uh, start a Twitter account. And uh, part of your assignment this semester is to tweet and to keep up. And Twitter was like pretty new still. Like it was like, wow. it wasn't, I, I didn't think of it in any way related to comedy. I was like, this is how breaking news is going to, like, it was totally like a news tool. And so, so I, knew that so knew your teacher was trying to get you on it instead of keep you off of it. during Exactly. Right. Exactly. So I feel like I, uh, I just, Twitter to me is like kind of the most intimate, like I like it the best to be honest. I like, I feel like really? it is more, I feel the way you feel about Twitter. I feel that way about Instagram. Instagram breaks <sighs> my brain and I deleted yeah. my personal account from my phone like eight, eight or nine days ago. Cause I was like, this is just making me spiral. Deleted my yeah. Finsta, deleted my personal <laughs> account. Uh, I do have like a jewelry account that I have up right now, but that's just for me. Hell yeah. Okay. Um, Cody, what is making you spiral? What apps Yo, do that to you? Uh, first of all, I feel you on the Instagram front for real. I was just telling Rachel, like, I can, I just fall into the hole so hard. You know, it's like, where did all those minutes go? The number of times I have deleted the app off of my phone in the last, in the pandemic, you know? Just like, especially as a, I, I, so there's this guy, I used to work in advertising and there's this guy who works in branded content. He was like, yo man, I, I think I might have some gigs for you to try and keep some pennies coming so you could do comedy still. And I was like, no one can do comedy still, but the pennies <laughs> would be great. Uh, yeah. And he was like, all right, well, just like, why don't you send me over your Instagram and I'll like pass it around the office and we'll get an idea of like what your content looks like. And I was like, um, what does my personal Instagram have to do with my ability to write a commercial or like jokes or whatever? And he's like, well, that's, that's like your livelihood, you know, now fast forward, like a week later, um, I'm talking to, I don't know how this came up, but my girlfriend was like, yo, uh, a friend of mine said to me today that she thinks you're cute, but she can't tell because there's nothing about you on the internet. <laughs> and I was oh, like, true. I have a whole ass website. What are you talking? Like, I, I I pay Squarespace the arm and a fucking leg to to let people know what I can write and what sorts of things I do. Just was like, yeah, but you don't have anything on Instagram. And the fact you that did that's archive become, your whole shit. I did archive my whole shit because that I was spiraling for external right. reasons, and I was like, I can't even. I don't even want to be on the grid. You know, I've never realized until it was gone how much I value live. Yes, like, being able True. to say live written words out in front of people because I I don't thrive on the internet. You know, and I'm just, mm -hmm. I need the keys. You know what I'm saying? Educate a brother because I don't know how. <laughs> Have you done any of the illegal shows, Julia? Like the ones that are like, can I do this? 
No. The ones that are like, yeah, I know. I'm like, I'm not about to share a fucking mic. What is that? No, I, I can't think of anything more embarrassing than getting COVID doing stand up for 10 oh. people. Like, oh. like unless ticket. it's the best set of my damn life that is going to be televised, I'm not doing it. No, I'm not. Yeah. I'm absolutely not. Um, I mean, I did some outdoor shows this summer that felt pretty safe, but I was still sort of nervous about it i guess well were those illegal? no they weren't illegal they weren't illegal i feel like the but like an indoor show no i i just i don't want to and i i see people i won't name names but there are some people who are a little too comfortable and a little too bold on instagram blasting mm-hmm. that shit in my opinion because it is dangerous like it's like it's right. beyond like freedom of speech it is just like you are endangering yourself and others like i don't on to me it's like that trumps everything. We can't have right. comedy if we don't have people alive. The end. <laughs> right. I mean, look, comedy is such a social and contagious thing. So is COVID. They cannot <laughs> coexist. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, speaking of, though, Julia, I have a question for you because I follow you on Twitter because I like nice things and funny things. And you had a tweet that had me cracking up the other day about how you really haven't I think it was like, oh, all these people saying, oh, at least I have a job during COVID. And all these people saying, oh, at least I have a loved one during COVID. And here's me sitting here with neither for the last 857 days. Yeah. Uh, And given that comedy is so social and like a lot of riffing and writing happens in rooms and with people, how have you, as comedy's gone remote, managed to keep putting out such fire content? Like the, the Mia Ponsetto Video fire. That, that shit that was fire. For the, the 22-year-old daddy had shit was, first of all, so on point. I was like, <laughs> are y'all low-key cousins? What's going right. on? But I don't know how you are finding the energy and the inspiration to, to get in there and make some fire shit. You know? What, what's going on? How do you That's, do it? What's the magic? Uh, that is very kind of you. I uh, I will say the things besides Mia, but like anything else like tweets or anything that I've written that has like sort of blown up in the past 10 months is all generally related to how sad I am. <laughs> yes. I think like like the tweet you mentioned, it's like, I think it's just deeply universally felt right now is tweeting about like, honestly, my depression and like, just shit I'm struggling with. Like, it's just stuff that I think people are like, I feel that so deeply right now. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of uh, refreshing. I hope that it does make people laugh, but it's coming from a, a hard place. Like, honestly, the I have not been really wanting to do stuff on camera lately. Honestly, yes, with the I Mia Pensetto video. Like, I just haven't been wanting to show myself. I'm just like, I don't, I don't need, you don't, no one needs to look at my damn face right now. Mm-hmm, I will post mm-hmm a selfie where I feel cute here and there. But for the most part, I'm just like not into it. Um, But I literally, I cannot tell you to how many texts I was getting from random people being like, you look like this bitch. You need to make a video. You like, (laughs) she looks like you. She kind of sounds like you. You have to do a video. And I was like, Oh God damn it. Okay. Uh, I don't (laughs) want, I don't want this woman's face. This is if I could choose the person whose face I share, it would not be her. Um, But, you know, I was like, this is like a fun little project for me this weekend. I'm just going to do it. And uh, I I did it and I had no idea how many people were going to think it was truly her. I mean, my really people thought it was her. My replies were insane. 
people were like dragging you like thinking it was her i'm gonna i'm gonna push this bitch in front of a car (sighs) i like like how like this is and also people like also i think like we're comedians so we think about comedy and we think about jokes and we understand satire and but like a lot of people like yes don't like they have normal ass lives they're busy living their life and they don't think about like you know, I thought that what I was saying was so clearly parody. Right. But a lot of people are like, wow, she actually thinks anxiety is a real condition. Wow. This is white privilege. Blaming <laughs> this behavior. And I was like, I'm, this is no, 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 right. no. And I felt bad because I was like, I, I was like, damn, I only want to make people laugh. And I'm scared that I'm like working people up even more. But I think overall it was like, People thought it was fun and had a good time. So I get that though. I um I recently made a TikTok kind of different for me. I don't know. I'm just going with it, and uh, you know, low expectations, but I'll just do it. It's uh, a hit. It's a whole hit. That's just hilarious. I gotta, it like, is a hit in my family. I refuse um, to spiral and download it because I'm watching you. But I made a uh, I made this video about how I'm like like low key catching a lick off unemployment, like making more of unemployment than like I've ever made. <laughs> And some man commented, like, you're a piece of shit. Like, I don't know, just some, like, I guess Republican user who's on TikTok who, like, doesn't put out any content. And I was just like, wow, I'm, you probably thought I was, like, serious. Like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to, I'm living off the government and I love it. Even though, like, I do love living off the government and feel actually pretty great about it. So maybe he's right for calling (laughs) me a piece of shit. I'm not sure. But, but yeah, I mean, it was. It it did read as someone who was missing the point that I was totally. trying, you know, the absurdity of it. Um, I I have a question. So first of all, I just want to say that it is, you know, it's a joy to have a fellow queer femme on the pod, which you might be our first. Usually, wow. Yeah, and it's fucked up. Yeah, no, but I love my straights too. Got you guys. <laughs> I fucking love you too, straight boys. Um, love them. Uh, as I say it a third time. Um, but do you feel like how much do you feel? Cause I have feelings about this, that your sexuality is like tethered to your identity as a comic. Cause I feel like there's definitely like a queer scene, a queer comedy scene that can present itself in different. It's like, there's the queer white male scene, of course, in yeah. New York, but then there's like also a little bit more, um, for lack of a better word, like diverse queer scenes of different types of queerness and people and blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, like, I guess, do you feel like you're, that's a big part of who you are as a comic or not necessarily? I, that's such a good question. I mean, like, honestly, I think like, you know, you have been open and out in these streets for many a year <laughs> and I am uh, an older gal who has been uh like truly a late bloomer in every part of my life. So <laughs> wait, but I love that. Yeah. I mean, I I think I'm a I'm a a tardy person in many ways. <laughs> I I I show up late like in I'm constantly late honestly wherever like I I just show I'm very tardy. Um mm-hmm. I like my own I like my own timeline to be honest. And mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. um you know, for me it's been like it's been interesting because I was in for a lot of like the first five years of me as a stand-up, I was in a serious relationship with a man. Um, mm-hmm. oh, and interesting. so, you know, I think that, 
I think part of me coming into that, this identity is the reason why we are, uh, you know, not together. Um, right. And I think that like the past few years uh, has been exciting and, uh, you know, sometimes intimidating and overwhelming, like claiming that part of myself mm-hmm. um, on stage too, because also like yeah. I am actually low-key very private and shy not as a bit uh mm-hmm. <laughs> and so like even I'm not the type of person who I think that identity like um saying identities on stage uh and just like letting like hey this is what I am like this is how you introduce yourself on stage is like awesome and very purposeful for a lot of people I think for me I am I think like when I first like the, when I first started like coming out and like was dating someone uh, new who was a woman at the time. I was like talking about it a lot on stage and da 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 da, mm-hmm. and really excited. Right. And like I still think that's great, but I think like the more I learn about sexuality and like the more conversations I have, and it's like the like you know I'm still into dudes. I'll still date a dude. Like I right. you know I just for me I'm just like I think I'm like I if I'm into you and you're into me and you're single and I'm single. I'm down to clown. Like, I don't care yes. what, I don't care what is happening between your legs. Yeah. Like I just, I, I am comfortable with any gender identity that someone has with like, mm-hmm. so to me that is like deeply liberating. Like, I think that's yeah. what queerness means to me. It's like freedom. It's just freedom and expression and acceptance. And so I think the more comfortable I, I am with that, I think the less I've personally felt the need to introduce it immediately on stage. I think that, you know, right when it happened, I was like, this is the deal, everyone. You better fucking get me. And this is what I'm going through. And that's because I was just like, you know, emotionally, like it was new and it was like a rush. And now I think that it's like after a couple of years, I'm sort of like, this is where I'm at. I feel like there's a couple of different like identities I have in terms of how I am with with comedy. Like, um, you know, I'm, I'm also half Chinese. And so that's something I talk about too. Um, and that's something it's like, I don't know. I think there, I go get into periods where it's like, I'm writing and thinking a lot about it. And like, if I have new bits that I'm working out that like touch Mm -hmm. on those things, then it, I will feel like my set will feel very like identity centered, but sometimes I'm like, not, I'm just writing shit about my pubes. You know what I mean? Like, and it's not about anything important and it's not about my identity. So it kind of like ebbs and flows, I think naturally for me. What about you? Yeah. I, I would love to hear your opinion on that. I mean, it's, I think it's similar. I, for me, I like to, I feel like my sexuality is like, I wouldn't denounce all the dicks I've sat on in my day, you know, and just like that, we, we've lost Cody's mom as a listener. Um, I would not, <laughs> I would not say like, it's not like I like regret, you know, it's, it's interesting because it's like, it's not like I was like tormented and living a lie necessarily. It was sort of just like a slow realization of just like, sort of like even just the social construct that can come with a heteronormative relationship felt kind of constricting and like, Ooh, I'm like, I do so well with like, I find intimacy with men better when they're like my very close friends. Yeah like more than like 
necessarily a lover. It's like, because it's the other thing is I've always been like, I'm not going to get played. You know what I mean? With, I was always taught to never get played by a guy, by my dad. So it was like, we'd be playing. Okay, well then, what'd you say? <laughs> I said, we'd be playing. <laughs> right, game. right. Um, and I think that like that, I think like behind like, I'm not going to get played is like, oh, I don't want to feel like second class citizen in my gender type thing. Um, and so then that is just like a toe that'll just kind of dry you up immediately on a sexual level, you know, like feeling second class citizen in my gender will ultimately get a, make me not want to have sex. Not to say every man was being like, Hey, go into the kitchen, whatever. But like, I think it was just like a combination of like things that were in my genes and then just the way that the, the, con the context of our society that was just like, well, guess you're queer. Um, I feel that but a lot. like, yeah, but for like comedy, I think when I first, I mean, there's always going to be a fear of like, if I, like I've bombed on a few second city stages, like talking about eating pussy, you know what I mean? It's like, it's, that's something is like considering what the audience is, the audience going to like fuck with this content. They won't always. I just, I think I wanted to agree with what you were saying about how I feel like, like the, the cis, uh, gay male scene in New York is very like it's sort of clearer um, yes. where I think like there are so many um, queer women and non-binary comedians in New York that it's like it's not it doesn't feel as like it's like everyone's in like different spaces kind of doing their own thing yeah. different scenes yeah. different styles some are like more you know club people some are more like alt like it's like it's really yeah. It's interesting. I think it's like both cool that there's so many different types of those comedians, but also like that's at the same time it's like, huh, I wish there was like it'd be kind of cool if there was maybe something more unifying in a way. Well, I'm I'm listening to all this and, and thinking about one of the privileges I recognized having it in New York especially because I've done I started in Chicago. I spent some time in LA, spent some time in New York. And one thing that was uh, present in all three scenes was <clears throat> my, my, my comedy friends who were women, almost always either on stage or off stage had an irritation with or a horror story about g dudes checking for them. And like checking for trying to get some coochie one way or another, or like mm. let's go. Oh, you're hilarious. You want to come on my show? Let me book you. Right. And then maybe you want to go get a drink. At, like like and so I always early on kind of drew a hard line. I was like, let me not shit where I eat or like try and come off Same. that way. But I'm wondering because comedy is like there's no HR and it all happens at a bar and everyone thinks that they're like funny and can shoot they shot did that did bringing your identity onto the stage open you up to more people trying to check for you in that way like was there a downside <laughs> of checkery to that um i mean the tr <laughs> i would say yes more people did come to check for me in that way however <laughs> i to be honest, I don't mind it from <laughs> women or non-binary people. Like, even yeah. if I generally don't want to fuck around with comics. To me, I'm right. like, I've the the very few situations I've had with that, I'm like, I don't talk to those people anymore. It it doesn't yeah. go well. I, I I'm just not doing it. Um, maybe with someone who lived in another city, who knows? But 
right. you know, yes, it had hap- it has happened, but even if I don't necessarily think it's a good idea or something I should pursue, I'm still like, I like that. Okay. All right. Okay. I still feel, yes. uh, I'm okay with that. We're, no, thank you. I'm, no offense, but I'm a man, com- like a male comedian. I'm like, that doesn't mean anything to me. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, that's yeah. real. early on, I was like, it's okay for every male comedian that I'm on a set with to think I'm just a hundred percent a lesbian. Like, that's fine. If that's how they understand my sexuality, that is okay. That's okay. And yeah. then they will never try to, you know, whatever. Um, so it sounds like you actually have some openness uh, in a lot of ways because you're, you got hyphens in high places. You know, the, the, the multi-hyphenate <laughs> nature of your work uh, is kind of awe-inspiring, you know. And so I'm curious, from where I'm sitting... With you firing all cylinders, it's like, which came first to you? Was it, I mean, you said in school, you majored in journalism, but is it, do you feel like I'm a writer first and then a performer? Or I'm a performer who can also write? Or what is that, what what all the orbs look like for you? Do you have a preference or, you know, educate me? Okay, also, I feel like we're all multi-hythonates here, by the way. Just want to. Okay, thank you. I'll take it. Yeah, just saying that. I'll, I'll, all right, I'll um, take it. I'll take it. Hey, oh, thank you. <laughs> I I feel like I am a writer. I feel like I'm first and foremost a writer. I think that that's like the first thing that was the first channel that I like have ever wanted to communicate uh, and express myself through. Um, You know, I think at first it was like student paper. I'm a columnist uh, like on campus. That made me feel like excited Mm -hmm. to have like a platform and a voice. And um and like, you know, I was big on Tumblr, like I love Tumblr. Like I let, I used to really just like writing even before, like, I think I would write funny things, but I didn't, I didn't like know, you know, comedic formulas yet. And then right. yeah. when I was in Chicago, I, w- I was taking sketch classes at Second City and IO before I ever got on stage. I mean, I didn't, I truly did not start honestly performing until I was 25. Wow. And that feels old. That feels old compared to a lot of people who start in college, mm-hmm. start doing improv in college, all that stuff. Um, so, cause I like low key am shy <laughs> and not as a yeah. bit. And I, um, I think like, you know, once I started doing stand up, I was like, Oh, this is awesome. And I need to figure out how to keep doing this. Um, but uh, yeah, I like, I don't think I was thinking about, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't one of those kids who was dreaming of being a stand-up or it was like, I want to be an SNL. Like, I, I wasn't that. I just, I wanted to write in some capacity and I wanted to write um, scripts. And I think that that's, it's funny because I feel like the <laughs> the thing that I have wanted to do the most for the longest is the, the thing that I am having a hard time doing. Uh, mm. Bruh, yeah, don't like, I get it. Like, it's, writer's rooms are tough. They are just tough. Yeah. To, like, I think once you get in the first one that you can get into more, but it's, it's tough because, you know, stand up performing, uh, improv, like live performance, you can just make that shit happen. You can make that shit right. happen. You'll find an audience, you find a venue, you, you find a zoom link, you can make that shit happen. Same with putting out videos. Um, but when you want to write comedy and like have it, validated by tv and film and a fucking you know union (laughs) it's uh the opportunities are it gets really competitive um and acting i think came to me a lot later and was sort of 
like more by chance. But then when I started doing it, I was like, this is so fun. Why the hell was I not like, why wasn't I acting in high school? Like, uh, I think performing is, uh, I just wish, I kind of wish that I like wasn't such a shy kid and like was doing all this shit much earlier on. I don't know if you guys felt this way. I feel like when I was like a little kid, I was very extroverted and wanted to be the center of attention. But then like once I hit puberty and like all the self-loathing and doubt hit me, I was like, nobody fucking look at me for eight years. And I feel like (laughs) I, uh, it took me a while to like not feel that way. And it wasn't until like my, my early twenties that I started like having that itch again. Okay. Um, this is a question we ask all our guests is, um, what is it? that you want people checking for from you? I want people to be checking for me in every part of my life. Many things not related to career. Personally, I want friends, family checking for me. Just say checking in on me maybe is more Mm -hmm. what I'm looking for. I just want people to check how well or unwell I am. Um, (laughs) I want, uh, yeah, I would like, you know, I am uh, deeply single, so, and I and I and I'm honestly fine with that. But I wouldn't mind people just checking for me in a way that makes me feel uh, desirable and cute, and no. yep, yep, yep. you know, in a fun, flirty way. I'm not mad at that. Um, I would like my manager to check for me because I feel like she has not been for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I know that feeling. I do know that feeling. Yeah. So, uh, industry would love. I uh, I have also written things that I would like to uh, help me get a writer's job. Um, and yeah, check for, uh, I would want people to check for my, my new jewelry collection. I have oh, been yeah. spending a lot of my nights just hunched over with some beads and jewelers pliers. And that's my new thing right now. That is a source of income for my unemployed ass. Just oh, through word. Venmo, no taxes. You know, we're not Fuck playing yeah. that game. No one's claiming that. And, uh, that, that's it. Where do we, where do the people find your jewelry, Julia? Julia's jewelry? That's not what it's called. <laughs> no, that's not what it's called. It's close though. It's called, uh, early retirement.nyc. Do that. Do that. Do that. Do that. That, that, This has been a nobody checking for me podcast. We've had the wonderful Julia Shiplet here with us in the virtual studio. I'm Rachel Jarofsky. I'm Cody Wilkins. We all appreciate you and we gotta go. Peace.